And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Before we get to anything else, today, just so you know... There is going to be a nationwide emergency test on your cell phones. Hmm. Uh, It is supposed to hit all cell phones. The test alert will be sent out at 2.20 p.m. Eastern Time. The test will be conducted by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, working in uh, coordination with the Federal Communications uh, Commission. So at 2.20, if you get a... Uh, message on your phone it starts beeping and it says fema and we're doomed then you've got the test may not say we're doomed it might just say this is a test if you get one from uh, a bunch of clowns known collectively as red eye radio and it says we're doomed (laughs) that's probably a notification (laughs) from our app (laughs) yeah so and it'll still surprise me. Yeah. You know what you know what bothered me yesterday? Is it just one thing? One of the many things that bothered me okay, yesterday. Okay, there you go. I had a busy day. I Aaron's was visiting some people. Mm-hmm. So I I got home and I was following, you know, you just on your phone, you follow the the vote and everything else. But right. I got home and as soon as I got home, I went, "Oh, wow." Afternoon baseball is on. Now, I have watched zero games this year. Yeah. From any team, zero. Yeah. But when it gets to early October and it's quarter after three in the afternoon, man, it brings me back to being a kid in junior high and the baseball playoffs would be on in the afternoon. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you'd go home and I'd watch it. So I watched like five minutes of it. And uh, and then it's like, okay, I got to get to the real world. <laughs> yeah. The, the bizarro real world yesterday of right. of, uh, of McCarthy that we covered really in the first uh, uh, couple of segments of the uh, 
the uh, the show. I'll tell you one thing though, because of that, that was uh, that sort of got lost in it was mm. the concern of the financial markets yesterday. Stocks tumbled as Treasury yields hit their highest levels since two thousand seven. Yeah, the Dow Jones Industrial Average lost four hundred and thirty point nine seven points. Its worst day since March. Uh, the uh, S&P 500 slid 1.37%, lowest level since June, still up for the year, I think, 10%, mm. I think. And uh, NASDAQ composite dropped 1.87% as uh, gross stocks saw some of the biggest losses because of the rise in rates. With Tuesday's losses, the Dow went into red for the year, off by 0.4%. The broader S&P 500 still up 10% for 2023. The 10-year Treasury, and by the way, and this affects everything. If you've got cash, well, you can park it somewhere and right now beat the rate of inflation. At the moment. At the moment, yeah. I mean, <laughs> when was the last time you could say that? I just yeah. That just popped into my head now. Well, wow. that's it. And, and the stock market is, you know, there's... Uh, it's been up and down, but it really, you know, in terms of massive movement, you know, in, in recent months, we haven't seen that. And so if you can park it in a sure thing and say, okay, that's a pretty good return, then, of course, then you move out of stocks and therefore the stock market is down. The 10-year Treasury yield touched 4.8%, reaching its highest level hmm. in 16 years. Well, that was it reached its highest level since we stopped manipulating the dollar and printing money yeah. to buy our own debt. Right. Uh, the benchmark yield has surged in the past month as the Federal Reserve pledged to keep interest rates at a higher level for longer. The 30-year Treasury yield hit 4.92%, also the highest since 2007. The average rate on a 30-year fixed mortgage Close to 8% now. Hmm. And that's the concern that the markets are now having as interest rates keep going up. And the Fed is expected to raise rates again by the end of the year, right? Yeah, and it's, you know, there is a question as to whether or not, because there's the breaking down of uh, the the comments and assessments of people like Jamie Dimon, CEO of uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, when he said he, you know, the the Fed is going to have to be more aggressive, even still on interest rates. I don't know how aggressive Powell will be. I don't know how aggressive they will be. But I think it's a fair bet to say at least one more quarter of a point between now and January 1st. But it could be more aggressive. And... The idea is tapping the brakes, well, hitting the brakes on inflation. I don't think they've been serious enough. And you get into the, you know, position that we're in now where inflation is still a great concern. Over the last couple of months, core inflation is still rising. And you have high interest rates. Uh, if you're talking about 8% on a on a 30-year mortgage, where it wasn't that long ago, it was three. That kind of swing, it's not that we haven't been here. 
It's how you get there and how quickly you get there. And also the other market conditions under which you get there. And those are the problems long term. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. Bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. You know, there is no, there's not going to be any fiscal sanity because the GOP doesn't have, regardless of what happened yesterday, it's not going to change the makeup of the GOP on in, in the House. And they don't have the kind of margin you need to really get things done or the political will even within the party to get things done to show long term, to demonstrate to the world that we're serious about our fiscal situation. So, and then you get into monetary policy And this has been this game, you know, that they've been trying to play uh, for a long, long time. But there isn't a a real fix here. There isn't a real equation that's going to solve everything where you can say, look, we can look six months down the road and this is what where it's going to be. We're very confident this is where it's going to be. So then the question is commercial real estate yeah i've been talking about this for a while and the implosion of commercial commercial real estate has been in the making for uh and really coming to the surface in terms of the conversation in especially in recent months when you have companies that say you know what we're turning the keys over to the bank because owning this commercial real estate this this building this chunk of real estate here doesn't make any sense when the valuation isn't there uh, in in terms of the that ratio compared to what we owe on that building and when companies are willing to do that and when you have tenants that are moving out in massive massive numbers then that's going to, that's going to be a, a a problem for a while. I also wonder about, and I don't know the number of uh, it, if there are 
how, what the what the rate of adjustable rate mortgages is, how, what percentage of adjustable rate mortgages there might be still on the individual level for people's homes. We, we kind of forget about that. Then you look at delinquencies on auto loans and everything else and personal debt is yeah. rising. It's at the highest yeah. level ever. In terms of credit card debt. And you talk about expendable income that they're spending right now, and now college loans will have to start being paid again. Yes. Which is going to also take a hit from people's expendable income because, as we found out, and who was it? Somebody sat down with Biden, Mm. remember, Mm. and and told them what people, what the polls show people are spending uh, the money that they're saving from uh, college loans on. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not saving it. They were blowing it. Right. And right. he didn't like to hear that at all. But mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's <laughs> that's what the apparently the survey showed. Mm-hmm. But when you see here, office attendance in, in big cities is still barely half of what it was in 2019. In in the big cities. Mm. And, you know, I, you and I were looking at the Starbucks closing seven downtown San Francisco stores yeah, some of that might be crime in areas, but also could a lot of that be the fact that the traffic isn't there? It's, it just isn't there because you have uh, this mass exodus now and so many vacancies in those downtown areas, San Francisco especially, which means no humans, fewer humans. And, yeah, the traffic is likely down. I would li- love to see the breakdown on those seven stores and the same store sales year over year, what that has been. I would love to see that because it, it, that's likely what it is. It, it, I'm sure, is also in part, you know, the crime and everything else that's going there. And then you look at, reading here from Market Watch, bank stocks might be on pace for yearly losses as sharply higher interest rates take a toll. Mm-hmm. Uh, the industry reserves, but the industry reserves are at the highest level in three decades mm-hmm. Yeah, because people can't afford to borrow money. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. Bank shares have come under more selling pressure since the Federal Reserve in September signaled it could keep rates higher for longer than earlier anticipated. The tough talk has dampened uh, the this year's rally in stocks and reignited a dramatic sell-off in the roughly $25 trillion Treasury market. Right now, there is nothing standing in the way of higher treasury yields. Kathy Jones, chief fixed income strategist at Schwab Center for Financial Research, told MarketWatch, it's fairly obvious it's not good for banks. The rise in yields has just been relentless. Higher yields on newly issued treasury bonds erode the value of portfolios that include lower coupon debt issued when rates were lower. Banks also tend to hold large exposure to commercial property loans that could be difficult to refinance if rates stay higher mm. for longer. And and you and I'd ask this question because the economy's been, even with all the challenges we see with inflation, okay, people are employed. We talk about the lack of having an available workforce out there and when that really is going to impact the economy. But we've always been worried mm-hmm. about the financial centers and the urban centers you know, the cities in in our country where commercial real estate is down so much. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, that half the people still 
having come back to work in so many of the large cities, which has the domino effect for every single business that's in that city. Yeah. yeah. And we always said that's the great unknown. Uh, you know, how do you figure that out? You know, who takes an analysis and looks at all the cities and then tries to extrapolate out? This shows there will be a reduction in GDP because of this. Mm. I haven't seen that yet. Probably somebody's done a workup on it, and it would be interesting to look at, but it's really not public knowledge, or maybe public knowledge, but it's not well-known knowledge. Yeah, it's not something that's promoted. Um, I, you know, I've I've always been fascinated about commercial real estate, and and there there seemed to have been there was at one point. You know, these corporations would come in and like in our area in North Texas, you had a lot of office space, but a lot of companies want to come in and, and build their own office space. They want to create their own work culture. Uh, uh, Toyota uh, moved here uh, to North Texas uh, a few years ago and several years ago, and they built their own campus of buildings. And they were temporarily officed in a building close to that campus as it was being built. But part of it is that you kind of want that, you know, companies want to have that investment. You know, they don't want to be paying rent. They want to have that investment, but also they want to, they want to have uh, those amenities. They want to have that available for staffers. And that approach, I'm wondering now, especially after COVID, how much it's backfiring when you can't get a number of them back mm-hmm. to the campus. 86690-RED-EYE. This morning's USDA Farm Report is brought to you by Howes Products. Tested, trusted, guaranteed since 1920. A slow-moving cold front continues to travel across the country. Eventually, by the end of the week, that front will arrive across the southern and eastern United States. By that point, it will be weakening, but at present, it's still got some pretty good integrity, and it's got quite a temperature contrast across it. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says the eastern half of the U.S. remains warm and dry through the early part of the week highlighted by record-setting high temperatures for October. That warmth continues, but it is shifting eastward, and by the time we get to this weekend, we will have flushed all of that warmth away into the Atlantic, and we'll see much more seasonable temperatures. Which means the plains and Midwest will experience potential frost and freezes this weekend. This freeze is not early for the far northern plains and the upper Midwest. Pretty typical to see this type of conditions, but it is going to be a shock to the system after the 80 and 90 degree heat that we've been seeing in recent days. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. This report brought to you by Cenex Fuels and Loops. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Elon Musk's Tesla suffered its first quarter-on-quarter sales decline in years, prompting concerns about America's appetite for electric vehicles. No blank, Sherlock. Well, you know, <laughs> all the things that we talked about in the last segment, the higher interest rates of, 
of borrowing the money to pay for a very expensive vehicle, any vehicle. And then also a lot of the honeymoon period with EVs for the tech geeks is over. There are a couple of things with Tesla. There are a lot of liberals who don't want to drive anything related to Elon Musk anymore. But beyond that, too, is you were going to hit your saturation level at some point of that market. The tech geeks who love the technology, who are absolutely 100% into it for the technology. And so then... What is it about? You've got to get out to the common consumer. You've got to convert the unconverted, the non-tech geeks, the people who, quite frankly, haven't considered what it would take to own an EV and everything that, you know, you have to do uh, to make sure that, well, you can drive it. And so, you know, but price point is is number one. Price points, everything, but it's even the little things to me. For example, when if I've got a, you know, whenever I go somewhere, going to work, whatever, just filling up, it's like, right, how long is this going to take me? Mm-hmm. Well, by the time I pull into the gas station and fill up and leave, get the receipt, look at it, and leave, I'm there three minutes. Right. That's too long for me. Mm-hmm. I want to get in quicker. Yeah. No, yesterday I had to fill my truck, and I had to fill it. It was like empty. And I had to fill it. I was like, what is taking so long? <laughs> I know. It's... And then, you know, for an EV, uh, upgrading currently your your home in order to plug it in at home. That quite possibly is required and is also costly. And so all of these considerations for it. Now you're tapping into the real demand. Where's the real demand for it? Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. All right, just quickly uh, going over it. Uh, uh, Speaker McCarthy is now former Speaker uh, McCarthy. Um, They're off for a week. Yeah. New Speaker Pro Tem came in. McHenry from North Carolina and said, okay, we're gone for a week. We come back and a week from today, they're, they're back Tuesday, which would be a week from yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're supposed to have a vote, you know, basically know who they're going to want, who the different choices are, and vote by next Wednesday. Yeah. They need to get this done fast. They if, really if, do. If they yeah. get it done fast and it's somebody like Scalise, nobody will remember this a month from now. Right. Well, it was just like, and you said the same thing when they were going through the, um, all of it in January. Yeah. Once this is done, Mm -hmm. nobody will really recall, you know, this, the average person's not going to think about this. 
And if they can get back in a week and get the vote done, and I agree with you, if it's somebody like Steve Scalise, who is well-respected, then it will, they can get back to work. I, I won't say no harm, no foul. I'll just say they can get back to work. <laughs> you know, and that's what you, that's what they need to do more than anything right now. There's, look, uh, a lot of the outrage and everything else on social media yesterday that was playing out, you know, and Newt Gingrich, blah, 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 blah. Look, we'll see what happens with the Ethics Committee and Matt Gates. I don't know. Uh, don't make this about revenge. If he's done something wrong, demonstrate that and then move accordingly. But beyond that, what's done is done. And you're not going to change it. So what you can do as a party, and I think Scalise can probably do this in terms of uh, you know, gathering the support needed is move on those agenda items. Let's get back to work on a number of fronts that are going to be imperative over the next 13 months. Here's my worry. You know, uh, Scalise gets in. Okay. Now that all the Democrats know that Gates will probably jump on it quicker, mm. their belief is, all right, if Scalise doesn't do exactly what he wants, Right, because by the right. time Scalise gets in, if hypothetically, if it is Scalise, this is all hypothetical, mm-hmm. because I know there's a, I'm, I'm sure I'm probably getting emails right now. Well, what about Trump? You don't have to be Trump's not going to be the next speaker He's, of the House. He is not. Yeah. So, um, I know there was a lot of excitement on social media, but apparently Republicans live in their delusional world too. Uh-huh. Some Republicans, mm-hmm. that's not happening. Not going to happen. Uh, so if it is uh, Scalise. Let's say Scalise is it. They've got 30 days, you know, to get another deal done. Mm-hmm. The uh, the Democrats know they can completely destroy whoever comes in as a speaker simply by saying, we're not going to negotiate. We want more than we got before. Mm-hmm. And they know that if, the Republicans close down the government because of the fear that if they agree with Democrats on anything, that Gates will start up. They're probably hoping, we're really hoping they close the government. This is the political side of it, mm. hoping that the Republicans will close the government, partially close the government, get blamed for it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we can play with these people oh, yeah. because of Gates. We yep. can play with the Republicans in Congress for the next 13 months and cause chaos consistently because that's their only goal is to create chaos. So the Republicans cannot stay on message about how insane the Democrats are and how the American public views by landslide majority on the vast majority of issues that face our country today, how the Democrats are nuts. Yeah. On these issues. Yeah. And that's the bad part of what happened. That's the bad part of what happened yesterday. Unless Gates realizes if he does this every month, he loses the effectiveness of it. Well, that's it. If, you know, I mentioned earlier, is this going to be the new censure or the new impeachment? impeachment? (laughs) (laughs) You know, is this going to be your move? 
And is it going to be, you know, the same thing over and over again? Because that's it. If it is Steve Scalise or whoever it is, the next speaker will do things that Matt Gates doesn't approve of. So then what? And if this is going to be the tactic, uh, you're absolutely right because of that slim margin. Democrats know they can make enough noise and keep the GOP on the ropes. And, and the other thing is we're in new territory here because this isn't the Trump the Trump loyalist against everybody else. It's not right. the case here. Right. Uh, in fact, Gates got burned when he was talking about the fact that he talked to the president, the president supports or the former president supports what he's doing. And then Trump came out later on the day and true social said, doesn't think it's a good idea. What Actually, doing. Had, yeah, he had already, when he was being questioned, when Matt Gates was being questioned about it, he had already posted it. The reporter oh. knew that and set him up. Oh, oh, I didn't. Oh, yeah. I, that I didn't know. Yeah. The reporter oh. set him up and oh, said, okay. have you talked to uh, the former president, President Trump about this? Well, yes, I have. And re- we've talked in recent days. Obviously, we haven't talked since the vote. And he supports me on this. And, well, actually, he just put on Truth Social that he doesn't think this is a good idea. And he got burned. Matt Gates got burned. And this is the problem. Is that there are there are no true allies. There is no real loyalty. Because as soon as someone believes they're going to get burned, they're gone. And that's how the game is played. Matt Gates can, you know, I think he's okay with being kind of the, and and I said lone wolf yesterday, but in the sense that he's the face of all this, I think he's okay with that because he's in a safe district, at least for now. By the way, I did get an email the other day before the vote that said, you know, I live in Navarre and I I don't want him to be my representative anymore. Just one person. It's just anecdotal. But it got me to wondering to what extent does that, uh, exist. I'm guessing in that district, he's still very safe, but, but it's Navarre. Yeah. But the problem is, is that for, for him is number one, that big question, what does the ethics committee actually have? But then forget what Eric and Gary think the ethics committee should do. Is it going to be about revenge at this point? And men, you really mess things up for the party and we've got enough, what we believe we've got enough things. It's not how we think, you and I think, but they may be thinking, oh, you know what? We've got enough to move on it here uh, to cut him out and separate him from the herd. Well, there has to be punishment for, I mean, I, I you know, Newt Gingrich was on. And again, we're relating what they're saying. All right? yeah, Newt right. Gingrich came out and said, these people are traitors to the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. And then he got blasted as a rhino in establishment. Yeah, exactly. I'm, just like, I'm like, wow, how things change how things change on social media. Right. But the the thing is, the thing that changes this all is that this isn't a, you know, a Trump group that's doing what Trump wants. Right. Yeah. And it's not even a it's not even a group of conservatives from the House Freedom Caucus who all broke off. And part of the problem for Gates is Gates is the one who shot down the House uh, Freedom Caucus plan for the 45 days, a continuing uh, resolution that they wanted that would have cut a little bit 
done border security, uh, and uh, as the thought process is from the people that the majority of Republic or a significant portion of Republicans that wanted that, including the House Freedom Caucus, is that that gets them that gets uh, McCarthy better bargaining position in November. Mm. You know, we did get one call today saying, well, we need to have a budget and we can't have these continuing, you know, uh, resolutions. Mm. You may believe that the people that understand what's going on might believe that and might want a budget because I like a budget, which is more, more, more long term. But really, and I said this when McCarthy became speaker and when the Republicans won, this is about marketing the Republican Party as the party to elect in 2024. The politics of it, mm-hmm. of the messaging of Republicans, to me, and what I see needs to happen in order to get the Senate and the presidency back, in order to actually do the things you need to do, is to market and communicate effectively over this time period, and this chaos doesn't help. Right. And and that's just as important. And if you're going to argue the continuing resolution versus the budget, the vast majority of Americans have no idea why there's the chaos over something like that. And even conservatives will say, but if you cut and you got what you wanted in that 45 days and you put yourself in a stronger position, why are you just rejecting it? You know, on in, in a way on, I won't, well, this is what they may be thinking on semantics. Yeah. Right. Because if we're spending less money for the next 45 days and it gets us another continuing resolution for 45 days that spends less, then gets us into the the fact of the public being even more furious because it's a time game here because of inflation. Also, Republicans are thinking that we have a the, the more we can continue, even with the CR making little cuts and getting things that we want gives us a stronger bargaining position down the road right now that's what you would hope for all of it is what you're hoping for and as i said look, i'll be blunt you know we've been disappointed with republicans for such a long time where yeah you can make the case and i told the gentleman who disagreed with us a little bit earlier so look you may have a case you know, mccarthy could have stayed and 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 they could have got that passed yeah and then it's like okay everything's working out then everything's great and then they get a budget for a year which cuts a little bit and does whatever then they get everything in 2024 that they want, and they blow it. Remember, when Trump won and had the House and the Senate, they did some, but they didn't go nearly as far as I wanted them to go. Right. Yep. And that's the reality of politics, and well, that's the reality of when you have to cut. That's it. And nothing is going to change. I don't care who the speaker is between now and January of 2025, at least nothing is going to change because the makeup of the GOP in the House is not any different. Well, let's look at the two that were mentioned, Scalise and Trump. It's not going to be Trump, but I'm doing this just for Scalise and Trump. Both are against what Gates did. Yeah. So you're starting out with people that were against what you did. Right. Because Gates has said he would support Steve Scalise. Right. He's going to support a guy who didn't go along with him yesterday. What does that tell you? They wanted McCarthy to stay. Right. This is about personality conflict. That's what this was.
866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McMurray. We didn't get a chance to talk about day two of the Trump trial. I didn't really pay a lot of attention to it because so much was focused on the other stuff. But I didn't see any any interesting stuff that really came out that was groundbreaking. Did you? Well, the Trump trial. I, I did not. Uh, you know, a gag order. Uh, yeah, oh, so yeah, the, yeah. I thought that yeah. meant that we can't talk about it. But apparently that's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Man, that's it, it. That's almost like a one of those TikTok challenges to mm-hmm. give Donald Trump a gag order. Ready, go. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, the gag order was specifically you can't talk about anybody on the staff. I know, but it's but when you say you can't do that to Donald Trump, then he's all he's going to do is talk about what he can't do. But in this case, he can't talk about it. That's what right. he can't do. Right. He'll talk about how he can't talk about what he can't talk about. <laughs> he did pull the tweet, though. As soon as that happened, when yeah. they broke, he pulled yeah. the tweet. So, yeah. That I, was... I mean, look, um, I'm I'm really more interested in. in... I mean, he he <laughs> I'm having fun here. He really defamed the staff member. Yeah. Right. He said she had dated Schumer. Yeah. <laughs> That's false. Uh, I did not. <laughs> uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe that's what Fetterman has on Schumer. I don't know. Um, but the the entire that entire case, I'm really curious to see how that goes on appeals and where this goes too. I mean, we 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 talked about we touched on it yesterday, but. Uh, the statute of limitations and everything else, and the judge kind of making reference to things that happened. Uh, you know, did they happen since 2014? Because if so, mm-hmm. that's great. If not, this is a waste of time. It's a very interesting case, no doubt. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Do we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.